Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Athletes Rising. Today, I'm joined by Tracy Ham. Tracy is from Moraga, California. She was a superstar in soccer, but multiple sports um, all the way up through high school. She actually played three varsity sports all the way through her senior year in high school. Um, ended up playing D1 college soccer for California Golden Bears. Go Bears! Um, and progressed her way through the professional ranks as well, playing for FC Gold Pride and the Atlanta Beat. She, at that point, decided to go get a master's degree from Boston University in sports psychology and counseling, and that led her to her real passion, which is coaching. She ended up going through all the various licensing processes, um, ending up with her UEFA A, and it's such an incredible story to just hear about the experiences, the ups and downs of all of that. Um, And she's currently now the head coach at UC Davis for the women's soccer program. We talk about all the various aspects of her life. Um, it's a great story. You know, the the ups, the downs, uh, the, the sideways, um, everything from, from injuries uh, to just having these packed moments of, of a lot of success. Um, I think that all listeners are just going to absolutely love this one. So without any further ado, here is Tracy Ham. Today's episode of Athletes Rising is brought to you by Cinch. Cinch is an API-driven sports management platform that simplifies the registration and management process for parents, coaches, directors, and organizations. No more jumping between apps or websites trying to figure out where all of your kids' information is. Cinch puts your entire sporting life in the palm of your hand. Do you or your organization run any kind of camps? Cinch is going to be your answer. Download the app, register your organization, create your camp program, and publish. It's as simple as that. All done from your tablet. Now any parents can search and register their players directly from their phone. You can manage all of your registrations, communications, finances, and even marketing all from your tablet. That's right. Cinch is a mobile app. So as an organization, you can have it with you out on the field as well as at home or in your office. To learn more about Cinch and all that it has to offer, visit the website at cinchhq.com or download the apps from the App Store and Google Play. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of Athletes Rising. I'm your host, Kelly Gray, and today I am joined by Tracy Ham. Tracy, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Um, So as per usual here, we'll just kind of jump straight into it. Um, let's talk about how you found the game of soccer. Wow. I think obviously like most people, I'm sure I had, my parents had a lot to do with it. Uh, I grew up playing almost every sport. Um, but soccer, I guess was the, the one I liked the most. Um, so my parents put in it when I put me in it when I was really young, I think I was five, uh, first team. I think I was on the Hawks, Nice. uh, you know, mm-hmm. and then like, I think it was the starburst next, <laughs> But, uh, you know, it was it was awesome. And I I just love the game and uh, I loved every sport. But soccer, I think I enjoyed the most um, probably because of the physical contact. It wasn't like baseball or softball or tennis or, you know, some of the other sports. And um, I got to go into tackles and, you know, use my speed and my strength more than any other sport. So, uh, yeah, I got my parents to thank for that for sure. Um. So you started at five. 
um, and you, you said you, you played multiple sports. Um, at what point do you, did you like, I'd say have that drive of like, I, I think soccer is kind of the, the one for me. I think when I got to high school, uh, you know, when you obviously timing and academics become more of a, um, you know, a challenge to kind of your time management. And um, I actually played three varsity sports in high school, which I know is unique now. You know, students tend to specialize fairly early. Um, And I was able to actually I played five sports, but um, I, I think I just love soccer more than anything. And my first experience playing ODP was in eighth grade. Uh And that was the first time that, um, I don't want to say that (laughs) I was like, soccer was challenging. Um, I was with other really good players finally. And, you know, I was on a good club team, but it was different, you know, and you're going to ODP practice and you see all the other kind of best players on the other teams that you're playing against. And now you're all in the same environment. And at that point I realized that, um, I just, I enjoyed the game a lot more because I was surrounded by players better than me and it became more of a challenge and, um, you know, an obstacle and was like, I, I need to improve in these areas. I can't just rely on being more athletic. Like these players are just as athletic, but they're also more technical. They also have, you know, clearly had had better coaching, I think in a lot of ways. Um, and so I just looked at soccer as just this, this challenge that, you know, I, I wanted to be a part of. And so I think in eighth grade going into my freshman year, um, I had some success, you know, I was playing on a, a U19 team when I was 15 and, yep. um, you know, just kind of continued to put myself in different environments that were, that were, you know, making me improve and developing me. Um, and I just kind of continued to seek that out. And soccer for me was just, um, you know, I, I knew that it was kind of my ticket. I think softball, softball, I also love softball. Um, and I'd happened to be pretty good at that too. So, uh, those two were my favorite, but soccer for me was just such a fun game. And I think I love my soccer friends the most too, which is probably yeah. why I, why I want to stick with it the most. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's similar. Like, I mean, my, my club soccer team was like all my best friends. And like, I remember at being about 12 years old, we all kind of decided, well, we kind of like this best and I think we're all going to choose it. And at that point, I think we all stopped playing other sports and really focused on, on soccer. Um, so at what point did you actually stop playing other sports? Not till I got to college. Um, wow. Actually. Yeah. So I did, I did softball tr- and track um, and soccer all through high school. So those three varsity sports yep. and um, I was actually supposed to play softball at Cal also. So I was going to be a two sport athlete there. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, playing soccer in the fall season there, it was, you know, once the season was over, um, you know, it was hard to jump into fall ball right away and start training and getting yeah. up to exam trainings while my soccer friends are going out and going to school and, yeah. you know, kind of getting to be normal college students. I was like, wait, I kind of want that too. So, yeah. um, you know, I ended up just sticking with soccer and honestly, like I really needed to de- develop a lot more, um, you know, just better technique. And that's, you know, typically the focus in the spring season of colleges. Yeah. Um, and our coach, you know, was you know telling me if you want to be, um, you know, a better player and keep improving, like you really need to play in the spring. That's going to be more important than anything else. So, um, you know, I took his advice and just decided to stick with the one sport. Well, let's, let's go back a little bit to, to high school. Um, you know, you said that you noticed at some point that you were, uh, kind of better than everybody else at soccer. And it wasn't until you got to ODP that you like felt that challenge. Um, what was, what was, I think the hardest part, um, leading up to 
to college um, for you when it came to soccer? Gosh, you know, honestly, I, 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 I feel bad saying this, but <laughs> I had dads, you know, that were really passionate about the game coaching me when I was growing up. Sure. Um, and, you know, I, I'm from Moraga and at the time La Mirinda was not what La Mirinda is now. Yeah. Um, it was a really small club and obviously a really kind of small population of, of people and players. And yeah. um, so I was really poor, I think technically, mm-hmm. and but I got away with it because I was so fast yeah. and, you know, I just used my speed. And I played sweeper like back in the day when we played sweeper. <laughs> yeah, so, totally. you know, and it was like kick the ball as far as you can and run as fast as you can and tackle. And those were good th- things I was good at, you know, and so I didn't really necessarily need to have a great first touch or, you know, to be able to like use my feet to solve problems and get out of pressure. And yep. um, so when I when I got to uh, ODP in eighth grade and, you know, every year kind of through that process, um, I just I was so exposed from a technical standpoint in terms of not just my distribution was good, but the, my actual first touch and being able to beat players one V one on the dribble in a tight space when they're, you know, when there's a, when there is a cover player and not just kick it and run to myself, you know? So um, I think that was probably the most challenging thing was recognizing that I was really far behind Mm -hmm. um, players that, you know, had grown up in, you know, like the San Ramon area and San Jose and just had exposure to significantly better soccer specific coaching. Um, But I think on the flip side of that, like what I had was, you know, a really, really intense mentality and I knew how to compete. I'd been playing, you know, lots of different sports and I loved winning. Yeah. Um, so that kind of always gave me an advantage. But from an actual standpoint of what was the most challenging was certainly um, being exposed. Like we would do juggling. You know, I was horrified. I remember like yeah. doing juggling exercises before practice and girls are juggling, you know, 100, 200, 300 times. And I'm literally trying to get seven. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I'm like, wait, what? You guys can do more than this, you know? And it was, it was definitely something that, you know, without having youtube and social media i had no idea that i was that far behind um from that you know in that area how did you how did you deal with that i mean because like you said that's that's embarrassing in a way but it's also challenging in a way where you're like okay what like what's the response there i mean so how did you like what how did you approach that from uh from a mentality standpoint Yeah. You know, I was a lot of just going in my backyard, you know, and it was hard because I didn't really have anybody around me in Moraga that was playing um, as much as I was that, you know, as as committed as I was. And of course my like dad wants to help and my mom wants to go out there, but they can't like demo it for me or make critiques and help me get better and improve. So I'm just out there trying to figure it out on my own in some ways. Me, like I've always been someone that's incredibly driven, um, you know, just my mentality is I, I want to get better at everything. I want to be the best at what I do. So yeah. um, I developed that from a really, really, you know, young age. And uh, so I spent a lot of time with the ball at my feet by myself. And, um, you know, I still, even when I was playing professionally, I, I still was behind technically, but I was like, I don't know what else to do. Yeah. You know, this, this isn't going to be my strength, but I can certainly at least try to make it. So I'm, you know, not embarrassing myself at training, but, uh, you know, I definitely just put in a lot of hours by myself and mm-hmm. spent a lot of time, you know, kicking the ball against a wall. And, um, you know, I, I really didn't let myself have too many distractions when, yeah. you know, I wanted to be the best and it was, it was definitely um, kind of a slap in the face when I was in those environments because it was so clear that I wasn't yeah. and I never wanted to feel like that again. Man, that's really, that's really interesting because like you see, 
these days players kind of go one of two ways, right? They have that reaction that you did of like, okay, well, I'm just going to put in the extra time and the extra work or they go the opposite where they just kind of give up and just accept it. And so I love hearing the story of, you know, just taking that ball in the backyard because the reality of it is that's what kids need to do these days. If they are deficient in some sort of an area, like just go in the backyard and play, you know, it doesn't come down to like needing private training. It doesn't come down to, you know, needing to have like five practices a week. It's take a ball out in the backyard and kick it against a wall or juggle. You know? Right. And even, you know, even now, like, like I said, when I was, you know, in college or even in the pro league, like I would just spend like 10 minutes a day, totally. go on the ball, juggle for 10 minutes and come back. And like, I remember um, when I was coaching you tens, um, this is right before the, the first pro season, yeah. um, you know, there as having them juggle f- first 15 minutes of practice on your own, yep. you know, take your time, spend time with the ball. And I started, I was like, why don't I just do this with them instead of watching them? Yeah. And I joined in on the competition and like in the beginning, like some of them were better than I was, you know, (laughs) and I was like, okay, this cannot be the thing I need to be able to demo this. And it was awesome. And, you know, I didn't feel like embarrassed because like, you know, I was getting like 40 or something. The girls were like, whoa, you got 40. And I'm like, oh my gosh, if you only knew how bad this was. like, Yeah, it was awesome. So I mean, the nine-year-olds were out there, you know, and that's the thing is like, you just, you got to, you got to put in the training, you got to put in the practice and, you know, so that's good. Let's um let's jump now to that moment when you kind of realize like oh my god I'm gonna get a chance to play like college ball, you know because that's a for everybody I think every player is like oh I dream of playing Division One college soccer. What was that moment like for you? Oh man, it was it was incredible. Um, I had a really interesting kind of experience like going through the recruiting process because my senior year of high school was nine eleven. Ah. Um. And so this is back in the day when, you know, you didn't commit when you were 14, yeah, you actually totally. waited till your senior year and yeah. you took your five official visits. So, yep. you know, I had all my visits set up and, um, they were actually, none of them were even in California. I definitely, I wanted to go far, yep. um, you know, and kind of get out of this and this space and, you know, try something new. And all my trips had gotten canceled, um, cause they were all in September and October and it was kind of a scary time for everybody. Um, and so I started, you know, in the meantime, when, you know, we're trying to navigate the next steps, you know, and do we get on airplanes again? What does it look like for everybody? Um, you know, I started to look at some of the local schools and, you know, my parents like, well, why don't you, you know, Cal keeps calling you and I'm like, it's it's too close, you know? And, um, and so I went on a couple unofficial visits there and, you know, when I went there, I was like, this is the most amazing place I've ever been, you know, and I just, I loved it so much that, um, you know, I, I actually committed before they made me an offer, which is so funny. (laughs) Uh, I was watching the men's game and I said, I was sitting next to the coach at the time and was like, I think I'm going to come here. And she was like, what? are you committing? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I love this place. And then she's like, this is amazing. Oh my gosh. So, yeah, and then so I had to, <laughs> I know. So I had to tell my parents, I was like, oh, I'm going to Cal. My dad's like, wait, we didn't even talk about scholarship money. And I was like, oh, that's a thing. Like whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, oh my gosh. So my poor parents are like, Tracy, what are you doing? Um, but, uh, it ended up obviously being amazing and working out just fine in that yeah. regard. But, um, yeah, like that. I remember just feeling like watching that game and and feeling like, gosh, I get to I get to go here. Like I get to be a part of this yeah. and uh, be a part of this amazing team and play for these great coaches. And um, you know, this is something I worked so hard for my entire life. And yeah. to see it, you know, kind of come to fruition was was a pretty special feeling for sure. Um, so yeah, let's talk about that. Like you now, you come to Cal and you 
you know, you have your first preseason and you're putting on Cal gear and it's that reality of like, oh my God, like I, I really am here. Like this is, this is crazy. Um, how, how was that transition from high school and like ODP soccer now to division one college soccer at one of the top programs in the country? It, there was nothing like it. Like there's no way to like actually prepare, I think for that feeling. Um, walking at the very, I just, I mean, I remember like I'm actually getting goosebumps talking about it right now. Yeah. Walking out of the locker room, um, you know, in my Cal uniform and, you know, with all of these like amazing women that I was just like terrified of, but yeah. also like so excited to like be their friend. Um, walking out of the locker room and like walking across the field was and just like looking up in the stands and being in that big stadium like it was one of the best feelings in the entire world like it really was and it's something that I'll like hold on to forever um just like an immense amount of pride mm -hmm. for you know my my school and my team um but it was uh it in in a really a feeling of this isn't about me anymore and I think in high school and youth soccer it's really hard to um I want to say like, think about the, the sum, right. Yeah. And think about the whole, the whole team and the whole experience, just you're immature. Right. And it's like about you and what you need and what you want and, you know, your training and, and it's really unfortunate and that that's kind of how it is. I mean, obviously you're playing on a team and you love your team, but yeah. your friends, but it's a little bit of a different vibe. Cause obviously the more you mature and the older you get, like, and if your coaches are saying the right things, you realize that you're part of something much bigger than yourself. Yeah. Um, and once you get to college and you get in that environment, like that couldn't be more true. Yeah. It is so much about the, the program um, and the team and who you're representing. Uh, and you play, I don't want to say you play harder, but you do in some ways, it means more, it carries more weight. It carries more value um, because you, you love the people that, you're playing with and that, you know, you're playing for and, you know, this, the school that you've got on your uniform, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, for me, that's always what it was. The best teams that I played on, it was like, everybody was playing for the team. They weren't necessarily playing for themselves. And what was funny about it was the teams where players played for themselves were always the teams that were not very successful and the teams where nobody really cared about any of the individual accolades. They just played for the team and played for their teammates. Those are the ones where everybody actually got all the individual accolades because the team absolutely so much more success. Right, exactly. And soccer is such a unique sport in that way. It's you know we have eleven players. It's not basketball yeah. where there's only five and one player can essentially take over a game. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't exist. You know, yeah. in the game of soccer, you really do need the team. Yeah, I could, I could not agree more. Um, so let's now jump into your the college career and. You know, you you now establish yourself as as a starter. Um, what was what was the I'd say the high, and then the second question is like, what was the low of your college career? Hmm, I would say that the high um, sounds like so silly and maybe cliche, but honestly, the high was just getting to play with my friends yeah. and the the women that I got the experience of like being around all the time and you know cal's really unique and that the women that come out of there are just like these like, highly opinionated yeah. high performing individuals that are so ambitious and driven and we have this like very unique quality that like we want to make everybody around us better yeah and i've like that's still true you know and we're you know all my best friends we're in our 30s and 40s and it's like that's we still challenge each other to make you know sure that we're 
you know, getting stuff done and, you know, being better and, you know, continually improving. And um, I mean, the high for me was just getting to be in that environment around people like that. Um, but, you know, soccer specifically, I would say probably my senior year and making it to the sweet 16, that was such an, such an amazing season. You know, we were 16, four and one that year. And just, it was, it was one of those seasons. And now as a coach, you know, that, that was like such a special team and you, you can identify that now, you know, as yeah. a coach, like that, that was the year. And it was so, such a great year. And, you know, for so many different reasons, we had a lot of big wins, obviously went the farthest that Cal's gone, um, you know, in the past 15 years yeah. at this point or 20 years now, I think, um, you know, which was incredible. Um, you know, and there's, there's highlights being Santa Clara and, you know, things like that. Yeah. But uh, the, the low, I would say, Gosh, was probably my sophomore year when we didn't make the tournament, um, you know, and it, it wasn't because we didn't have talent, um, you know, and that we didn't have effort. It was like, you know, individual players just didn't show up. And I'm including myself in that. Like, I definitely had like a sophomore slump coming off a great freshman year, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it's it's hard for me to like look back on that because it's like I felt like, you know, I'm someone that likes to carry the weight of a team yeah. on my shoulders. Like I like to be that person and like to be the go-to and like, I just couldn't get it together, you know? And I, I felt like I let a lot of people down and I let myself down and um, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to think like what was going on, but yeah. you know, you get, you get selfish or there's other priorities, you get distracted and you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but that was the low. Cause obviously I like, I love, I love that senior class. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when I was a sophomore, they're like my favorite people. And, um, you know, I was just, I, it was heartbreaking for them that, you know, the season ended the way that it did and, yeah. um, that they didn't get to, you know, move forward. So that, that was probably the low. Yeah. Um, how did you, how did you react to that? I mean, having that sophomore slump, what was it that you think got you out of that and allowed you to come back stronger your junior and senior year? Mm, I think that I was just, again, like I'm someone that really likes to embrace challenges and I was so disappointed with myself and I can't say that I've really been too disappointed in like my athletic performances in my youth career. Yeah. You know, I was always someone that was doing well and winning things, like you said, getting accolades and, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and, um, I, I, over the winter break. So in between, you know, our, our fall season and our spring training, um, I just had a lot of time to reflect and think about like, what's important to me. And, um, you know, I was like, I don't ever want this to happen again. Yeah. You know, I never not, not want to make the tournament. Like, that's why I'm here. I came to Cal cause I want to win stuff. Like I want to be a champion. I want to compete and I want to put my best out there. And that wasn't my best. And, you know, I, even like since then, I mean, the past 15 years, like that's just been something that, you know, I'm like, I don't ever want that feeling again to feel like I didn't do enough or I didn't prepare enough or I didn't, yeah. you know, put myself in environments that was going to make me do better and develop. And, you know, I, I took, I, I was lately, you know, I didn't do the right things and it was such a heartbreak and so disappointing for me on, you know, many different levels that, you know, I, I reflected and I came back, you know, my sophomore spring and was like, I'm not, you know, we're not doing this again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, um, you know, we also didn't have a junior class that year. Uh-huh. And so we had freshmen, sophomore and seniors. And so when the seniors left after their fall season, you know, as a sophomore in our spring, like I was like, we're the oldest players. Yeah. Like this is our team. Like this is our program. Like we need to 
handle business because <laughs> if we don't, you know, this is going to be a repeat. Yeah. Um, and so I, I just trying to try to take that leadership role and try to step into, you know, a different mindset and mentality to make sure that, you know, I was representing the program as best as I could and as, as best as I thought we should be. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. So let's, um, let's then jump to that, that moment of the possibility of playing professional soccer, right? Like what, what was that, that moment like of like, oh my God, like there's one, there is a women's league for me to continue my playing career. And two, I might actually get a chance to, to actually do this, to be a professional athlete. Yeah. And it, you know, it was actually interesting for me because the WUSA, which was the first pro league had folded um, my sophomore year. And so, or maybe it was my junior year. And so I was really obviously like very disappointed and Mm -hmm. and really sad. And I was like, well, what am I going to do now? And, you know, just because, you know, at the time, like you're thinking, do I want to play pro, but you know, I'm not like on the national team. So is this like an option and, you know, and, or should I just play, you know, the WPSL, which is a great league. And that's what a lot of people play in. And, you know, how do, how do we navigate this? And so then when the WUSA did fold, it was like, well, this is sad because obviously we all had dreams to, to continue our careers. And, Mm um, I, you know, once the, once I graduated, um, I started playing for the storm, you know, like a lot of Cal players did. And, um, it was, you know, it was great because there was a lot of WUSA players that, you know, obviously league folded. So they were all playing in the WPSL. And so it was basically a pro league. Um, you know, my team had like national team players on it and, you know, it was, it was a great league. It was so competitive. I mean, I thought it was harder than college in a lot of ways, you know, playing in that league with, you know, all those players and at that level. And, um, so when, um, in 2009, when WPS started, um, I mean, I, I trained so hard for that. I was so excited because I'd been doing really well in the WPSL and I'd stuck with it and I'd stayed involved in the game because I was coaching, you know, five days a week. And, um, you know, I was like, this is amazing. And I'm, I'm not too old, (laughs) you know, I'm I'm 25, like I'm in my prime and, you know, I could, I could make this work. And, uh, so I trained super hard for it and they held the WPSL uh, combine because there's two women's leagues at the time, WPSL and the W League, and they each had their own combine. Um, and ours was in Sacramento. And I remember it was so hot, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like August or September or something. And um, I killed it. I had a great first day. We played, I think we played one, we played two games a day. And uh, it was, I mean, I did awesome. I knew I'd like had crushed and I'd done all the right things. And, um, so the second day I was like all fired up, you know, cause I was like, I got this and yeah. you know, I'm like, who's going to draft me and you know, all this and <laughs> a little chip on my shoulder. And I actually, um, I broke my wrist. Oh. I fractured, I fractured, I had a compound fracture in my wrist, uh, that day. <laughs> and, oh, um, yeah, it was a bad tackle and fell funny and that was it. And I just remember walking up the field and was like, ah, I think I have to go to the ER. My bones starting to poke through oh, my, my wrist. Um, but I, and I was so upset cause I was like, wait, no, I don't think I'm going to make it. Like yeah. there's still another day and a half, you know? And, um, but you know, I, I had hopes that I'd at least done well enough, you know, to to get a spot. Yeah. And so it was so exciting. Like when the draft came, and it, it was so different back then, right? You're just like pressing refresh on your <laughs> yeah. internet browser to like exactly. see if your name pops up, and you. Have, it's like crazy to think now. There's actually like a draft, you know, at the convention and stuff. But uh, it was so exciting. I Kelly, like when I when I saw my name pop up, 
I like I started sobbing. Yeah. Like I've never I've like I never cried. My parents are crying. We're all at like the table, like, yeah. oh my God. You know, it was like a dream come true. It was like, I'm gonna be a professional soccer player. Like who gets to do this? Yeah, it was exactly. it was wild and yeah, it was, it was pretty amazing. And my my you know, my arm actually my wrist was in my a cast, but I kept training. Yeah. And while I was training, I obviously shouldn't have been doing this, but I was playing with my club team that I was, you know, training and uh-huh went into a, a tackle. We were doing one B ones and I, I fell in the tackle and I didn't want to put my arm down on my wrist. So I, I like leaned, I kind of tried to fall weird and yeah. I separated my shoulder. Oh my God. <laughs> so I'm like, Oh, what is happening? So I'm watching this draft with a, a cast on and my other arm in a sling. Oh so, yeah. It was amazing. But you know, I'm sitting there <laughs> crying. I just look like, you know, veteran over here and um <laughs> it was it was awesome i mean it made it all worth it right of course. so uh yeah it was pretty special so let's jump into that now you you get drafted what's what's that first day like with that as well and and you know going into training and pulling on that jersey and like oh my god i'm one of the select few in the country that, or even in the world that get get the chance to to call yourself a professional athlete yeah, that was that was wild because it was I think there were seven teams mm-hmm. and there was only I think it was 14 um, no, 13 Americans on each team. Yep. So it was a very very small um group and you know, I definitely like felt pretty special for sure. Um and obviously it wasn't like the most luxurious experience. So it's pro league wasn't very well funded, you know, yeah. so we were we were training and getting ready in junior college locker room, you yeah. know. Um but you know, it didn't matter. Like none of us cared. We just wanted to play and the fact that we were given that opportunity to continue playing at that level was so exciting and you know, I'm getting re- like next to like Christine Sinclair. I'm like yeah. this is wild. Like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe she's here. <laughs> this is so, you know, so amazing and um yeah, I mean it, it was it was really incredible and it was it was very different. I mean, it was so different than what I expected because I kind of, you know, had this vision of it being like my college experience. Yeah. Everyone was gonna be so tight and fun and like laid back but competitive. And yep. um it was it, it was certainly not that. It was definitely a different environment. Um and it, it almost kind of went back to that feeling of like, oh, I'm in high school again, like it's about me and what I can get and yeah. Um, and, you know, a different vibe and I get it. Like you're still trying to like make the team and in some ways, you know, and, yeah. um, it, it was, it was, it was interesting. It was, a, I mean, I, I wouldn't change that experience for anything in the world. Um, but it was, it was so different than what I thought. I mean, I, it felt amazing, but it also felt really different and really foreign. Yeah. Um, and I don't think I'd like mentally prepared, um, for it like the way that maybe I could have, or I guess what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I, my, my experience was similar. Um, and I remember my college coach telling me, remember, it's not like your college team anymore. These are people's livelihoods on the line. Like you take somebody's mm-hmm. starting spot, you may be taking their mortgage payment for their family. Like it's going to be super competitive. And um, him giving me that insight, actually, I thought really helped me uh, adapt to mm-hmm. the world of professional sports. Right, right. It's it's definitely it's it's very different, um, and that is even like a di- you know like everyone is elite. Yep. You know, um, 
everyone like, you know, that's on your club team, that's the best player on every club team gets to go play division one soccer. So when you get to division one soccer, every single person there was the best player, you know, on their club team. And then when you get to the pro level, everybody there was the best player on their college team or, you know, one of the the few. And uh, it's just, I mean, it was incredible to be in that environment and get the opportunity to play. So for sure. So let's, let's jump now to kind of the next phase. Well, but first mentally, like, that moment of kind of deciding and figuring out, okay, I think my playing career is going to be done. Like, what was that feeling? Cause this is something that you've done like your whole life. What was that feeling like of, of figuring out, okay, it's, it's time to move on. You know, mine was really almost like a natural feeling and in some ways. So after um, I, I played second season with Atlanta beat, so I'd moved to Atlanta and, yep. um, and it was the second season of the WPS and our owner uh, told us, Hey, you know, I think this, the league is going to fold again after one more season, yep. you need to start planning for that. And the uh, two teams had folded in the middle of the second season and we acquired those players. I mean, it was, it was kind of a mess. And like I said, it wasn't necessarily like the best experience. Again, yep. I wouldn't trade it for the world, but it was just, you know, okay, like, what are we doing here? You know, what am I doing? Yeah. Um, and at that point, I'd had three knee surgeries on the same knee, mm-hmm. you know, a wrist surgery. And yeah. um, I, I just wasn't playing the way that I love to play. Like, you know, I was a little bit hesitant to plant and, you know, just yep. things that like I, I couldn't play the way I wanted to and the way that I always had. Yeah. Um, and I was doing enough, you know, to make the team and play pro, you know, but it wasn't like I wasn't enjoying it because I wasn't able to like dominate in the way that I had for most of my career. And I was like, ah. But what was interesting to me is um, I had been I'd been coaching for about, you know, like eight years, I think, at that point. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was a technical director back in California yeah. and I, you know, I'd been, you know, like I said, coaching a bunch of teams and I'd been the assistant at Cal in my off season. Mm-hmm. And um, I really started to think about the I was thinking about the game in a much different way than as a player. Mm-hmm. And you know, I started to like look at like, well and I'd never really done this as a, as a player, like question the coach. I'm like, we're doing this because coach says to do it this way. Like that's how it is, you know? And I was starting to question things. I'm like, why are we playing this formation? Like, why is he playing her, you know, at the seven, mm-hmm. like she's a 10, you know, and <laughs> you just like different things. I'm, you know, questioning, I'm starting to look at matchups. I'm like, why aren't we playing a box midfield? Or why isn't he considering playing a three back, yep. you know? And I had never really questioned or asked those things myself. And I kind of was like, maybe I'm like on this. I'm like, maybe I want to do this, yeah. you know? And um, so it was really, really difficult for me to kind of hang up the cleats, yep. but I also found a way to transition it in a way like I didn't have to hang them up in a lot of ways. You yeah. know, I still got to be on the field. I still got to be on a team, but I also knew that I needed to remove myself from soccer um, and see if there was something else that I loved yeah. or something else that I was good at. And, you know, I definitely am someone that takes like a very holistic approach to life. Work-life balance is super important to me, my friends and traveling. And, you know, I, I love just all facets of life, you know? And so, um, when the owner told us that the league was going to fold, uh, you know, I was like, I don't know if I want to play another season. So, 
I was like, I applied to grad school um, mm-hmm. at Boston University to get my master's in sports psychology. And, uh, you know, I told myself, if I get in, you're going to go. Um, if yeah. you don't, then, you know, all right, tough it out for another season. Yeah. Um, and I got in. And so I moved straight from Atlanta to Boston uh, a couple of months at the end of the season and just started my master's there. And I actually didn't tell anybody that I, I played. Um, I didn't want to be Tracy Ham, the soccer player. You know, I wanted to just be, I am a normal master's student and here I am. And, um, you know, I finally in the spring, I decided to play indoor with a bunch of my cohort (laughs) and they were like, what? Like, wait a minute. (laughs) Yeah. Like, (laughs) who are, wait a minute. And I was like, uh, yeah. So like I played, you know, a little bit, a little bit here and there. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. Um, (laughs) so, so at that point you're in your master's for sports psychology um kind of exploring if that's an avenue that you want to go down um what what was kind of the uh, the outcome of that yeah so i i thought initially that i wanted to be a sports psychologist mm-hmm. i thought you know like i said earlier I, i've always had a really good mental grasp on the game and yeah. you know very very gritty mentally tough and um could definitely always get up. Like didn't really ever struggle with confidence yeah. <laughs> on and off the field. I'm like, we, you know, me, Kel. So, yeah, totally. <laughs> um, I'm like, I got this and, um, you know, and so I thought that I would be really an amazing kind of sports psychologist and be able yeah. to, you know, be an advocate and ally for athletes that struggle with that part of the game or want to improve their, you know, performance and, um, you know, going through that process, I learned so much and it's actually a master's in counseling, mm-hmm. which was actually incredible. Um, and then you specialize in sports psych, but learning the counseling component of like how to actually hear people and listen yeah. was mind blowing. I'm like, God, I need to really focus on this, yeah. you know? And, um, and then just like working, you know, learning how to like build culture and team and how communications, everything and consistency and, you know, all these things that really make, um, you know, coaching philosophies flourish within your, your program and your environment and being able to adapt. I mean, all the things that you learn was, was so incredible, but, you know, as I was kind of going through some of those, the clinical hours to, you know, get into a PhD program to actually do the psychology, you know, portion, I was like, I just don't really want to sit in a room and talk about our feelings. You know, I'm like, that's not me. (laughs) Like I need action behind what I'm saying, Mm -hmm. you know, I need to be demonstrating something. And I also miss being on the field. Like I need to be on a team and I need to be in that environment. I'm going to be way more effective communicating what I've learned through this, um, you know, education as a coach way more than sitting, you know, in a chair. And, um, so, you know, when I got, when I graduated and got my master's, I, I came back to California and, um, got hired at Santa Rosa junior college, uh, as the head women's soccer coach, but it was also a full-time position. So I got to teach. Yeah. Um, and you know, it was it, I didn't know anything about junior college soccer whatsoever. Um, but it was a master's required position. And I was like, I have one of those. Yeah. <laughs> I just got it. Like, let me, yeah, let me use it. Um, and it was honestly the best thing I've ever done for myself. It was, it was incredible. Um, and that kind of what started my, my coaching career, but the, the master's program was fantastic for a lot of different reasons. And it gave me clarity and it definitely changed my life trajectory. Cause I, you know, I thought I was doing one thing and then yeah. quick detour, um, but it was so useful. I mean, it, it didn't, it was definitely not a waste of time, even though I didn't go into like that specific profession. Yeah. Um, you know, it made me a, a much more well-rounded coach in person. 
yeah, I mean, I think that that's, that's the same thing that I would say about playing multiple sports as a child, right? It makes you a much more well-rounded athlete and actually benefits you in whatever it is you decide to go with. And it sounds like it's the same exact thing here where, I mean, I know that the coaches that I had, the ones that understood the psychological side of the game and how to manage each player kind of to their best um, personality traits were the ones that actually ended up finding the most success. Um, and so, yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. Um, so now you're head coach at um, UC Davis. So let's kind of talk about how, how we got there. Um, and I'd really like to get into your experience with um, your UEFA licensing, because we, we have the movie Coach that um, we'll, we're going to put in, in our show notes for everybody to be able to, to watch. But um, let's talk about just kind of that, that path now from Santa Rosa Junior College um, to the UEFA, then to get into where you are now. Sure. Yeah. So Santa Rosa, um, I was there for, for three seasons and I, I loved it. Those women changed my life. Um, it definitely taught me to, um, you know, I was coaching a very wide range of demographics and it was a huge eclectic group with a lot of different backstories and backgrounds. And I mean, it was challenging cause you're, you know, some people are highly motivated. Some people are motivated by, you know, needing scholarship or needing an outlet because they're a mom or yeah. they're, you know, the first generation, you know, in their family to go to school. And there's, you know, or, you know, they didn't get into the UC of their choice. They're the ones, you know, one semester. It, it was it was such a wide range of, of experience. And, um, and it was great for me because it taught me a lot of patience. I didn't really... Um, you know, I'd always been around very high performing individuals that were very ambitious and motivated, and I didn't really have to will people to win in yeah. some ways. And uh, this was such a different, you know, group and experience, and it was invaluable, in my opinion. So while I was there, you know, um, I think I just learned how to coach. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Like, you know, and um, and build camaraderie and chemistry and, you know, because the, the personalities were so wide ranging that that was all we had, you know, yeah. and yeah. Um, it was fantastic. And, you know, we obviously had some success there. And so um, the San Francisco state athletic director contacted me when the coach there, uh, you know, had retired and said, who are you? I keep hearing your name, um, you know, come down, let's, let's talk about soccer. I was like, all right, great. So I uh, went down there and uh, for me, you know, San Francisco state was like, who doesn't want to live in San Francisco? It's a yeah, beautiful city. It's a great place to go to school and, uh, you know, be in that environment. And uh, we um, had a great conversation and he's, you know, I interviewed and ended up coaching there for, was it four years? Five, yeah. Four seasons. Mm -hmm. how, yeah. I'm like, how, how long was it there? Yeah, Four, <laughs> four years. Um, and it was amazing. And so while I was there, uh, you know, I had this kind of idea. I'm like, I'm going to be a head coach. Like, I'm not going to be an assistant again. Yeah. Um, I'd only been an assistant for one year. And I was like, how am I going to get better? Like, I, I need new material. I need new information. Like, I can't know everything. Yeah. Like, I, you know, and because I was, when I was a technical director, I was only like 23 years old. You know, I'd always been a head coach. And, you know, there wasn't really an opportunity for me to learn from somebody because yeah. I was always, you know, a head coach of some sort. And so, you know, I was like, there's got to be so much information. Everything that I'm doing is basically like what I learned as a player. Yeah, and totally. I'm like, there's, there's, gosh, like there's, I know nothing, you yeah. know, like probably. And um, I was like, as much as I'd like to think I know everything, I clearly like know nothing and I need to get more information. And so I was like, oh, I got to start doing these licenses. And I, I'd kind of been avoiding them. I'd done the NSCAA national diploma, yeah. you know, back in the 
five years prior or something. And I'd done my E and my F, you know, USS license. And, um, but I, I hadn't started pursuing some of the more, um, you know, the national licenses. And so I, you know, was like, well, this is the only way you're going to get better is you've got to start going to clinics and, you know, watching people coach and put yourself, you know, Mm -hmm. find mentors and, and expose what you don't know and be vulnerable, like what's out there. And, uh, so I tried to get waived into, um, I just wanted to skip the D license cause yeah. I had done the E and my F and I was like, let me, whatever, I'll just go into the C and us soccer required that you, um, had played three years professionally yep. and yep. I'd only played two. Um, but I thought that my experience in the WPSL from 2006 to 2009 should count because yep. there wasn't a pro league and that was basically a pro league. Yep. We just weren't being paid, but the level was, and exactly. I was like, well, I, I played five years. So, yeah. Okay. Um, and they, they denied me and I, I don't think it was like a malicious thing at all. I think they just, they wrote the rule for men, yeah. um, you know, cause there was only a men, right. a men's pro league. So they didn't even consider that this was going to be alienating half of our population. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, that's okay. And now we've highlighted some of those things and they're going to make some changes and you know, it's a, it's a good thing now, but at yeah. the time I was like, well, this doesn't, this isn't fair. And for me, I don't take no for an answer very well. And yeah. I'm like, well, I'm going to find a way to do this. Um, and so I actually applied to, I started, I actually, you know, it, I thought that the licensing was something super American, like you have to have a license to coach soccer. Yeah. Like, okay. I didn't realize that everyone Everywhere. in the world, yeah. does, everyone does it. And so I was like, interesting. Cause I saw that there was a foreign license waiver, um, uh-huh. in addition to like a pro license waiver, um, or pro playing experience waiver. Yeah. And so I, I was like foreign license. So then I was like, Oh, this is cool. All right. Well maybe I'll go to Europe. Cause I had to go to an English speaking country. Uh-huh. Um, you know, there's a select few over there and most of the, the programs, um, in, or the licenses in, in Europe aren't, aren't residential. Like we do in the United States where you go for 10 days, yeah. you know, everything's so close there. It's like on the weekends and you can take a train or drive yep. cause everything's, you know, an hour away max, yep. you know, yep. in different countries. And, I saw that Wales was having a residential course, but it was only for professional players and it was for the UEFA B. Uh-huh. Um, and I was like, well, if, you know, my own country doesn't recognize my playing experience, I don't know if they will, but like, let's give it a whirl. If you don't, you know, yeah. all they can say is no. All yeah, right. Exactly. So I applied and uh, I ended up finding out a couple of months later that the, I got in, which meant like I had to go, which was terrifying, but yeah. also really <laughs> exciting at the same time. Like, well, now I can't not go. Um, so my athletic director at San Francisco state was super supportive and he was like, do it, you know, get out of here. And, um, so I went and it was, I mean, it was incredible and we can talk about that, but the, after I did my UEFA B, um, and passed, it was amazing. And I just, I couldn't write fast enough. There was so much information. I filled up like, yeah. I think seriously five notebooks, like it was like nonstop yeah. and, uh, my mind was blown every single day and I walked away being like, wow, I seriously know nothing. And so I couldn't, you know, wait to continue pursuing licenses and, you know, filling my brain with actual soccer knowledge. Yep. Cause I felt like I had a good grasp on the, the culture piece and chemistry and all that, yep. but the soccer the X's, X's and O's like, oh man, like it was, it was incredible learning, yeah. um, what they do there and why they're so successful. And, um, so I came back and I actually reapplied to U.S. Soccer and they let me skip the D and the C nice. and go straight into my B license. So I did that. And then um, I applied for the UEFA A license, which is about a year and a half long process. Yeah. Um, and I just completed that in May of last year. Um, and it was interesting because the day that I found out I passed my UEFA A, the next day I started my first day at UC Davis as head coach. <laughs> 
So it was pretty incredible. And uh, so the licenses were huge, uh, but it was San Francisco state just, you know, again, it was, that was such an amazing experience too. And it's been really fun for me. Cause I just, I feel like I didn't get, I didn't jump steps, yeah. you know, like I just kind of built my, built my way up, which I think has been really amazing, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what I think it's, it's hard for a lot of women. Cause sometimes we get put in environments where we're not set up for success. Yeah. You know, we're in over our heads in some ways, or we don't even apply cause we don't think that we're ready. And there's, there, there's these different things, but for whatever reason, you know, I've been able to kind of progress through, you know, steps without even knowing it, yeah. you know, yeah. um, and just getting the opportunity to develop, um, at the right pace, you know, totally, totally. I mean, so let's talk a little bit more about just kind of your experience with, with the licensing process, because there aren't very many women that actually go through the licensing process, as you were saying. Um, so what was, what was that like being, um, you know, one of very few women to, to tackle that? Yes, it was, it was definitely different um, and difficult in a lot of ways. Um, In Wales, it felt like the licensing there, it feels more like it's an education versus just I'm here because I have to get this license to coach. Um, And so there wasn't, you know, and this isn't what I expected necessarily. I mean, I didn't really know what to expect. I just was scared. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Um, because the pro players that were there, you know, are current EPL players yeah. and, you know, some big names, you know, English national team players. And yeah. it, it was, um, but there was no ego in the room. It was like, everyone was there to learn. And it was like part of this process. It wasn't like, mm-hmm. let's get through this as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. Everyone was so invested in the game and learning and understanding how to coach yeah. that I, it was so incredible. Like I'd never been in an environment like that. Yeah. Um, because typically I feel like a lot of the times in, you know, this is, this isn't necessarily specific to Americans, but like in the soccer world, right. It's like everybody tries to big time each other in a lot of ways. And I know this, I played here and your playing experience, you know, kind of validates you in some ways, which is, totally. you know, been great for me, but also it alienates a lot of people that maybe didn't get to play division one, but are still fantastic coaches and incredible people, yep. you know? And so it, it was great because it didn't really matter there, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and so in that way, like that, the playing piece didn't matter. And, and for me, this is definitely specific to me and unique to me is that no one, no one cared who Tracy Ham was and where I played. Like yeah. nobody even knew what Cal was, you know, or like that I played pro. like, okay, like doesn't no nobody cares. Yeah. And yeah. So it was great for me. Cause like, I didn't have to, I didn't have to put on a show. I didn't have to like flex on anyone and be like, I deserve to be here. Yeah, and like, yeah. let me pretend like, let me put some swag into it. Like it didn't matter. Like no one cared. And so it just really let me be in a space where like, I'm here just to learn and be super vulnerable and open yeah. to showing what I don't know and what are my deficiencies. And obviously you want to be like, I deserve to be here. So I know what, I know what I'm doing. I can like, you know, hold my own, yeah. but it was just a cool environment. And, um, something that I just came out the other side so much better for because I was so intimidated and scared when I got there. But once I realized that like all the people in my course with me, the other candidates, like they're not teaching the course, they're in the course with me. Yeah, exactly. So it's okay. We're all, you know, we're all on the same level to some degree and we all have different experiences, but we're all going to make each other better. And it just felt great to be in that space. And so, um, 
it was terrifying, you know, being, there was one other female in the UFB and, you know, her and I got to be super tight, obviously yeah. like you need partners. Like her and I were like, we'll be partners, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, like, um, and it was really nice having, you know, her there. And I'm, I'm glad cause it would have been even more difficult being the only female, but um, yeah, I mean, going back to do the UFA, it was the same thing. You know, there was one other girl mm-hmm. um, in both contacts and it was, same kind of thing, you know? Um, but again, like it was, it made me, I wish it was more comfortable and it was more approachable and it was an easier environment to like be successful in. Um, but it also kind of made me stronger and more confident in a lot of ways, Uh you know? So it's kind of a double-edged sword. Um, you know, actually what Wales has done, which is kind of cool is they, uh, they started doing female only courses yeah. and they had like, you know, instead of getting one or two people in their normal courses, they've been getting like 30 to 40 women yeah. in their B and their A. And it's just like such a better environment. And, you know, until there's just a little bit more of like a societal shift in terms of like allowing and accepting women, and like not feeling like you've got to, you know, fake it till you make it type totally. situation. Like it, I think that those are, it's a, it's a positive thing. It's a good thing. Well, I think that especially with just the, um, the success of women's soccer now, not just in the United States, but worldwide, you're seeing it grow like by leaps and bounds. It seems like every day, um, just having, having that be a career path. That is actually something that can happen for women coaches is hugely positive. And then, you know, obviously with my focus on youth, the youth side of things, um, I just think that those examples of of strong women leaders are so important, um, you know, not just for young girls, but for young men and boys as well to be able to see that right. just kind of like the equality in it. And uh, so I think it's just a huge, a huge shift in the right direction right now where where it's all going. Absolutely. So um, let's talk a little bit about um, the the documentary series coach i mean this is you had a, a film crew follow you through this whole ua experience <laughs> i mean tell tell the listeners a little bit about that yes oh my gosh so um a cal alum uh, courtney levinson who's the executive producer uh, and i met at a wedding and you know i was telling her you know she she lives in new york and she's huge you know soccer fan and uh you know, Cal soccer alum and is involved with a bunch of different clubs in Brooklyn. And, you know, I was telling her about, you know, that I was halfway through my UFA and just telling her about my experience and how, you know, intimidating it was, but how amazing. And, you know, she's like, wait, like, are other women doing this? And I was like, I don't think so. I think there's one other female in the country, an American that has a UFA. And she's like, people, like not even people, like women need to see that you're doing this. And I was like, why? And she's like, no, because then they're going to want to do it too. They know it's possible. I was like, okay, like, well, you know, I'm just doing it because I want to learn more and be a better coach and, you know, understand the game. And she's like, no, I'm going to make a movie about you. This woman does not make movies, right? Like she's not what she does. She's a sports psychologist, like not even close. Mm -hmm. And so fast forward a couple months later, she, I get this email from her. She's like, I got a film crew. Like they're coming with you to Wales in a couple months. And I was like, are you serious? Cause, and then I start to like, you know, sweat. I'm like, well, I don't <laughs> wait, this is already so intense yeah. and so scary. And now you're going to have a film crew following me around. Yep. And, you know, in part of my mind, I have like, you know, obviously you plant little seeds of doubt, like, well, 
God, like, well, I might not pass. Like, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, this absolutely. is really, like, I was in tears a lot doing like some of the assessments and, yeah. you know, submitting assignments and then them getting kicked back and you didn't do this. And I'm like, oh my, like, oh my gosh, you know? Yeah. And so I was like, well, let's just give it a whirl, I guess. <laughs> like, come on out. And so they, they flew out to San Francisco followed me a couple of days in the city, uh, which is super fun. Right. But then yeah, we get into Wales and the, the, you know, Welsh FA was super open to allowing them in, um, you know, a lot of the, the practicals and some of the lectures, you know, they weren't allowed to come in some things, which yeah. was fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, we had to do like presentations, which made it so hard, you know, just like knowing I had a mic on and having a camera in my face and <laughs> just, you know, and so it was, uh, it was incredible because, they came back and, and filmed me with my team a couple months later. Um, and they put the whole film together. Um, they filmed about 60 hours and they put it into 25 minutes Yeah, and, you know, watching the film kind of from the, the first initial cut to where it ended, it was actually profoundly different. They made a lot of different changes. I mean, that's what they do for a living. Obviously they're yeah. incredible filmmakers. And I thought that they did a fantastic job kind of telling the story and, um, you know, but I, uh, <laughs> When I found out I passed, um, again, this was like the day before I started at UC Davis yeah. and it was my last day at SF State. And we actually had, it was kind of a very interesting, like serendipitous day. I had my San Francisco State banquet end of the year um, with my team and the whole department. Yep. Uh, I found out I got my UFA license and I was starting UC Davis the next, <laughs> very next day. Like it was, it was wild, like how it all kind of worked out. But I get this, I check my email um, while I'm on a hike with my dog Murphy and, uh, and I'd been waiting cause I'd, I'd submitted my assessment like a month prior, yeah. my final assessment, I'd filmed it and sent it. And I just been waiting like, every day, like, gosh, like waiting. And so I see this email from the Welsh FA and I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Cause in my mind, I'm like, if I don't pass, yeah. like, what is this, what is the movie even about? Like, I can't, <laughs> you know, this is terrible. And so I opened the email and it was like, you know, kind of congratulations. You were like, you know, yeah. should be the proud recipient of a UFA, blah, blah, blah. And I just tears. I mean, like I, you know, I don't cry a lot. I feel like I've said I've cried a lot, but <laughs> I literally don't cry at all. Like I'm very like tough, thick skin, yep. like very stoic in a lot of ways. And oh my God, like it wasn't even like I was excited. I just was relieved, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I called Courtney and I was like, oh my God, I passed, you know, and it's great. It was so exciting and so awesome. And so it made the banquet actually with my San Francisco State players like so much better because like they're the reason I passed. Like they yeah. were part of every assessment I had to film. And like had they not been able to do what I asked them to do, totally. I wouldn't have been able to do it, you know, because you have to work with one team the whole time. And yep. they, 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 those women changed my life. I mean, they really, really did. And it was so special for me to be able to tell them because like, you know, every time I'd be out there with like the the camera and like my microphone, they're like, oh, are we filming today? Like, do we got to try extra hard today, yeah. coach? And I'm like, yes, you do. I need you to actually listen to what I'm saying and do it. Like, cause you, you clearly don't want to do it when you're not on camera. So like, yeah, you know, of course. here we are. And so it was, it was really cool to share that with them. God, that's so awesome. I mean, what a range of emotions for that, that couple of days right there. Right. It was. Jeez. So um, tell us a little bit about kind of some of the other stuff you're working on. I know, I know you guys are working on uh, women in soccer as well. Yeah. So we're, so Courtney, really, we're kind of, thinking about what is what's coach you know it's fun like okay hi guys i have a movie yeah. about me but like what's the purpose of this you know like i don't need a movie like what are we yeah. doing and so courtney's and i you know really talked about how we want this to be 
really like a call to action and highlight some of the nuances and the the issues that are um you know, kind of the systemic barriers that are keeping women out of coaching or that you know why are why is there a poor rate of retention in female coaches yep. and why don't we have the same access to opportunities and um you know Courtney just kind of decided she's like you know trying to find a way to get into like a seat at the table, yeah. right. Start opening up some of these conversations and figuring out how can we make some changes. And, you know, through her experience using coach as kind of her foot in the door and, you know, highlighting some of these issues, she kind of decided, she's like, you know what? I don't really want a seat at the table. I'm going to make my own table yep. and people can ask to be a seat, have a seat at mine, yeah. you know? And I was like, Awesome. You know, and that's just like some like badass stuff right there. Like she just, you know, wants to get it done. And so women in soccer um, is actually kind of modeled after women in football, which is based in yeah. the UK. And it's, it's basically a platform that's going to, you know, we're going to have summits, it's going to be a job board and just share information and mentorships and basically provide opportunities for all the different women's committees that exist yep that well we know exist that are kind of operating on their own island you know it's like a national platform to unite you know female coaches and and women not even coaches women that work in soccer that want to work yeah. in soccer um in any capacity so it could be if you want to be a broadcaster in soccer if you want to be a physio if you want to be um you know journalist like what whatever capacity that you want to work in soccer because you love it like this is a way to connect and find opportunities yeah. um but it's also a way for women that once played soccer to find positions in tech companies. Cause I think something like there's something to be said about what like female soccer players are uh -huh. and who we are. There's a certain level of confidence and a little bit of like a swag. And there's something, yeah. you know, like they're high, high performing people, whether or not they're still involved in soccer at all. Soccer definitely helps shape them who they are in their, their careers and their professions. And so we really just want to find a way to, you know, bring different groups together and be very inclusive and, you know, think about diversity and supporting all different types of communities and recognizing the social disparities that need to change and get shifted. And uh, women in soccer is going to be that. And so right now um, we're just kind of finalizing like how we want like, membership to be and, um, you know, exactly what, our brand is going to represent yep. and who we are uh, and kind of move forward. So we're, we're expecting a launch date um, probably within the next mm -hmm. month. Um, and we're going to probably host like our first summit uh, in spring of 2021. It's incredible. I think it's, it's just amazing what you guys are doing. So um, I think we've kind of covered like, oh God, it feels like everything. Um, I, I think we just did a whirlwind right? of my life. So thank Great. you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> going to absolutely love it. Um, if people want to get in touch with you, how do they get in touch with you? Uh, I am easily accessible on social media. TracyHam10 is my Twitter handle. It's my Instagram. Um, I'm pretty good about responding to messages. Um, but you can also just email me too to my Davis um, email is tlham at ucdavis.edu. Awesome. Well, Thank you so much for taking the time and sharing your story. I know the listeners are going to love it. And, um, and I look forward to being able to have everybody listen. Great. Thanks so much for having me. It was Thanks super so fun. Much.